0: You're listening to the sermon series on the letter to the Philippians at Sojourn East. In this letter, the Apostle Paul calls believers to live on the earth now as citizens of heaven. This means that Christians should find their identity not in this world, but in the world to come, centered on Jesus Christ.
1: Our scripture reading this morning is from Philippians 1, 1 through 11. will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart, and whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise
0: of God. This is the Word of God. Hello, friends. Let me ask you a question. What do you think the goal of Christianity is? I mean, what does being a Christian do for you and for me in the world? What's the point of the Christian gospel as it comes to us and works in us? Well, I think most of us would answer that actually pretty easily. If you've been around church for a little while, we'd probably say the forgiveness of sins. I mean, that's what we talk about all the time. This is why we emphasize the cross, When you and I think of the goal of the Christian gospel, I think most of us would answer that Christianity is the only thing that can provide us the perfect, complete, satisfying forgiveness of our sins. And that's a great answer, and I think it's one that's deeply biblical. This answer rightly focuses our attention on Jesus' death on the cross, his atoning sacrifice that reconciles us with God by being covered by his cleansing blood, we, who are broken and rebellious creatures. And that's good. And that's beautiful. And there's no other way to have a relationship with God other than through this forgiveness of sins. But let me ask that initial question again. What is the goal of Christianity? What does the gospel actually do in and through us? Well, the biblical answer to that question is much bigger and deeper and wider than the forgiveness of sins. We need to have our sins forgiven and we can only have them forgiven through Jesus, but Christianity is actually about so much more than that. In fact, if you and I think about Christianity and the gospel as only the forgiveness of sins, This, I think, would be like us taking a trip to Disney when it reopens or a national park, if that's your preference, or maybe a great concert or whatever your preferred activity is. It'd be like if we went inside the entrance and then we just sit there. Not exploring, not adventuring, not tasting and seeing all the sights and experiences and the joys that are found inside. So you're inside the entrance and you're welcome there, but you're missing out on why you came. You see, forgiveness is the necessary entrance into God's, forgive me, magic kingdom, but it's not the whole of it. I think some of us, and this applies to everyone, but I right now feel especially led to speak directly to the men in our church for a moment. I think many of us are just going through the motions of Christianity because you know it's the right thing to do. And it'll make your wife happy, so that means an easier marriage. And you know it's important for your kids. But in reality, I think for many, Christianity and church is just this little part, this this tiny little part of your life and your schedule and your heart. It's one small little drawer in the chest of drawers of your life. And it's not open very often. It's kind of like the one that you keep your long underwear in. It's just a very rare occasional use. You know what I'm talking about. Let me suggest to you today that one of the reasons for spiritual apathy and minimal heart commitment in your life, there are a lot of reasons that could be, but one of them, I think, is that when you think of Christianity and the gospel as only about the forgiveness of sins, that's great and you need that. You know you need forgiveness of sins, but in terms of something that really grabs your heart and shapes your life and brings you joy and transforms your habits, if you only think of the Gospels about forgiveness of sins, Christianity probably doesn't do a lot for you. And if that's where you are today, friend, I have some good news for you. Because the message of Christianity starts with the need for our sins to be forgiven, but it doesn't stop there. The goal of the Christian faith is to bring you into the fullness of life and peace that you are longing for and trying to find in a million other places. Now, why am I talking about this? Well, today at Sojourn and all of our collective churches, we are starting a new summer series on the wonderful book of Philippians. The book of Philippians is one of the 13 letters written by the Apostle Paul to various Christians and it's part of our New Testament Bible because we believe these letters were inspired and are authoritative teachings that are meant to shape our lives because they come from Jesus' apostles. Some of Paul's letters were written to correct doctrinal errors. Take, for example, the letter to the Galatians. Some letters were written to correct irregularities of practice and relationship take first and second corinthians but the letter to the philippians is different it's very different it is really a spontaneous utterance it's a thank you note that's been written from paul to the christians that he knew in the roman city of philippi you may know from the book of acts that while paul was faithfully preaching the gospel all over the place he was attacked and arrested And after a long time of waiting and being shuffled around to various prisons for a couple of years, he finally finds himself under house arrest in Rome awaiting his trial. And it's in the midst of this situation, which he did not plan and he did not want, that Paul is full of joy. And he's continuing to labor as a faithful minister of the message about Jesus. Now, as a prisoner under house arrest, He has to provide for his own welfare, and he has real physical and emotional needs. So the Christians at the church in Philippi, they loved Paul. He had ministered to them, and they cared for him. So they sent to him one of their own members, a man named Epaphroditus, who went to visit Paul and to stay with him there under house arrest in Rome, and they sent along a financial gift to help Paul out. We know from what Paul says, that while Epaphroditus was there ministering to and with Paul, he got very sick and he nearly died. And now, after a while, Paul is sending him back to Philippi with joy and gratitude. And so that's what we have in this letter. So Paul wrote this heartfelt, joyful, deeply personal letter to go with Epaphroditus to go back to the church in Philippi to be read aloud and copied and passed around. And what a blessing to us. This letter was copied and it was preserved and it became part of the apostolic teachings that we call the New Testament and it's beautiful. And so what we're going to do, we're going to spend the next 10 weeks, Lord willing, reading together and listening to this beautiful little letter that we, that we call Philippians so that we can be shaped by its Christian teaching and vision. And so for today, what I want to do is just go back to that original question I asked in the, and from the first 11 verses, try to answer this. What is the goal of Christianity? What does the gospel do for us? And I just want to point out for you today three beautiful little aspects of the biblical answer to that question. This isn't the whole biblical answer to that question. We'd have to look at the whole Bible for that. But these verses do give us, I think, a wonderful little glimpse into the bigger picture of the Christian life and faith that, again, I hope you will see is exactly what your heart is longing for. So three beautiful aspects of what the gospel does for us from Philippians 1, 1 to 11. Here's the first one. The Christian life provides affectionate community. The Christian life provides affectionate community. In my rereading of Philippians quite a few times over the last couple of weeks, I was struck by something, and I've taught this book many times before, but I was struck by something I had never seen before, and it is so beautiful. That is that the letter of Philippians exists precisely because Paul had so many meaningful relationships because the gospel created for him and for other Christians something that he needed and something that you need, an affectionate community. When you read back through the book of Acts and Paul's letters, including Philippians, one of the things that becomes crystal clear is that Christianity isn't just about your individual life or my individual life, but Christianity is an entrance into a new and vibrant community, into the realm that we can call, and what the Bible calls, the kingdom of God. And the gospel spreads and is sustained through a network of newly formed relationships. In Paul's case, We actually know the names of a bunch of these people in his network of relationships because he constantly mentions them in various letters. So we know about Epaphroditus from Philippi. We know about Aquila and Priscilla who worked together with him in the upholstery business or tent making business, literally tent making, with Paul. They traveled with him, they supported him. We know about people like Andronicus and Junia. We know about this woman who was the mother of Rufus who adopted Paul as her own son, I'm sure fattening him up with good Italian meals all the time. We know about Aristarchus of Thessalonica. We know about Tychicus. We know about John Mark, the nephew of Barnabas, who had a falling out with Paul on their first missionary journey, but then was later reconciled. We know about people like Onesimus, this crazy story, this runaway slave who ends up being captured himself, meets Paul far away from his home, is converted through Paul's ministry, and then as he gets to know his backstory, it turns out that the guy he ran away from has also now been converted, a guy named Philemon, who Paul then sends him back to with a letter. An amazing story. We know about Luke, this converted Gentile physician who traveled with Paul and supported him and and became his biographer. I'm accepting applications. And we know about Timothy, beloved Timothy, Paul's closest friend and mentee, this this younger brother who was converted and became Paul's long-standing friend and supporter who shared with Paul a life of laughter and sorrow and anxiety and joy life together. The point friends is that these are all real people. These are real, affectionate, loving, imperfect, but real relationships that the gospel created and that God used to sustain Paul. And as we read through the Philippians, through the letter of Philippians, you will see this gospel-centered, affectionate community that holds everything together throughout the letter. And let me just read for you the first verses again and and hear them with these ears to see the affectionate community that's being referred to. Starting in verse one, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. There's Timothy right there at the beginning. To all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. Gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Jesus Christ. Notice the joy and affection that comes from these gospel-forged relationships. Paul talks about memories of being together. He talks about partnership in the gospel and the confidence that this will continue. He talks about having them in his heart. He talks about sharing together in God's grace. And he talks about longing to be together with great affection. Friends, this is what you were made for. This is what you long for. And this is what the Christian life provides. Deep, affectionate community a bond that is forged and strengthened by the Holy Spirit. And it's this kind of bond that actually makes life worth living. It's gospel-shaped friendships that give life and breath and beauty and inspiration and comfort and meaning. And, you know, as I thought about this, one of the most amazing things is that this new affectionate community is not just based on normal human groupings and personality types and affinity groups, the gospel shapes and forms a new affectionate community that is deeper and wider than all of that. In fact, if you think about it, Paul, who was a Palestine-based, super conservative Pharisee Jew who had the name Saul, he had Basically, all of his relationships stripped away from him. All of his childhood relationships, all through adult, stripped away by God, and God replaced them with a whole new range of gospel-forged relationships with others from every tongue, tribe, and nation. A guy that would not have been comfortable with that before his conversion. In fact, if you look at the list of people that Paul is in close relationship with, with, most of them have Roman names, Romans the people who were oppressing the Jews so harshly, these are now his friends. And so too with us, with our new affectionate Christian community, it's so much more than our natural human affinities. In fact, it breaks them wide open. That's why, friends, it is entirely normal and should be normal for a church to be incredibly diverse in race and age and educational levels and personal wealth, because our bond is not these human affinities. Our bond is our shared life, our koinonia together in the gospel. And if you think about it, there's not too much else in your life that is that way. Your job, your neighborhood, your country club, your social circles, your vacation locations, all those are based on sort of what you've arrived at in life or not but the church is something entirely different, or it should be. It is a new affectionate community based on the work of the Holy Spirit in us. I could go on and on, but I'm running out of time already. Much more briefly, let me say something about the other two aspects of the Christian life mentioned in our text, and these will be more brief. Number two, the Christian life enables growing wisdom. Look at verses nine and 10. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Whenever someone in the Bible prays, we should pay attention because the prayers in the Bible are often very instructive in shaping our sensibilities and our vision and our hopes and our habits. And after speaking about his love and affection for the Christians in Philippi and building on that, Paul then tells them exactly what he's been praying for them. And it's a profound but simple prayer. He says he's praying that their love might grow and increase. And I love that word abound, just this this very active idea of abounding and, and, and leaping even, that their love might abound. And this abounding love looks like and is built on a growing knowledge and depth of insight. That is seeing life and its challenges with a clear eye. And this growth in loving knowledge and depth of insight has a purpose and it enables someone to grow in discernment, as he says in verse 10, so that you may be able to discern what is best. That is we grow in discernment in seeing what is the good and the beautiful way and how to pursue it for our flourishing. And then stacking all of this up, this love resulting in more knowledge and insight resulting in discernment has a goal that we may experience purity and blamelessness as we look forward to Jesus Jesus Christ's return. What a beautiful prayer. And it provides, I think, great and clear direction for your life and mine. And so I think we can sum up this Christian life as enabling a growing wisdom. And growing wisdom is precisely what you and I need to navigate the complexities of our lives well the complexities of work and relationships with spouses and children and friends and coworkers and and, and pleasure and finding meaningful labor and leisure because life is so overwhelming and complex and challenging and, and tiring. Issues with children who are angry or depressed or struggling with addictions, tensions in your marriage, decisions you face in business, the temptations to cut corners or treat annoying people less than lovingly. If you and I don't have growing wisdom given by the Holy Spirit that's guiding us, then I think one of two things will happen in our lives. If we don't have growing wisdom, then we'll just live randomly and unintentionally without a plan. And the result will never be flourishing and sustainable growth and beauty. But sooner or later, circumstances will overtake you. Or the other thing that will happen if we don't have growing wisdom, that we will live with some other ultimately foolish agenda that's driving us. Maybe we'll live for the American dream or financial independence or super health or perfect kids or a country living Instagram worthy home. All these things that might consume us will happen if we don't have the growing wisdom that comes from God. But the good news is, This gospel created in us by the Holy Spirit enables us to grow in love and wisdom and purity, and that's good and beautiful. And third, and finally, this Christian life produces righteous fruit. The Christian life produces righteous fruit. Let me pick it back up at verses 9 and 10 and go through verse 11. And this is my prayer, Paul says, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. The end game of all this gospel work in our lives is a very vivid image. And that is that our lives would become like a vibrant orange or cherry tree at harvest time that is filled with the fruit of righteousness. In fact, elsewhere, Paul uses the same metaphor that he got from Jesus and calls it the fruit of the Spirit in contrast to the deeds of the flesh. And here in verse 11, Paul doesn't spell out what this fruit of righteousness or this fruit of the Spirit is exactly, but from the rest of the letter and for the rest of the Bible, we know what he's talking about. This fruit of righteousness means love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Don't you want this? Don't you want your life to be marked by these things? Do you want a life that's full of strife and anger and dissension and disappointment and fighting and destruction? Or do you want a life whose many branches are laden with the delicious smells of fresh, ripe, juicy, mouth-watering fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, and self-control? Brothers and sisters, that's what the gospel does in our lives. It works in us by the Spirit a fruit of righteousness. And so what? So what does this all mean for you and me? Well, I want to keep it simple as I wrap things up, and that is, to go back to how I started, I want you to realize that the gospel is so much more than its entry point. Forgiveness of sins is absolutely essential, but the Christian faith is a full-orbed, rich, and beautiful way of life. And so I want to encourage you to pursue what Christianity is, this affectionate community, this growing wisdom, this righteous fruit. Stop looking for those longings of your heart to be met in the world that will never be able to produce that kind of life in you. If your relationship to the church and to other Christians and to God himself is still this kind of reserved chest of drawers kind of approach where you're just kind of barely showing up in your heart. You're kind of hands off or arm's length from God and other Christians in the church. Let me appeal to you. Don't just stay at the Disney World gate or the National Park Ranger Station or the lobby of the concert hall. You were made for so much more. And you can only find that. And you can find it in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And particularly to pursue the affectionate community that the gospel creates, I want to encourage you, step towards relationships. Step towards relationships with other Christians, even ones that aren't likely. People that don't just fit into your normal categories. And don't just step towards relationship to get friends. Step towards relationships to be a friend to others and you will find a kind of community that you have never known. And I know during this time of COVID and the restrictions, that has sharpened, I think, our awareness of our need for human relationships and the problems of human relationships. It's sharpened all that. And I've even noticed sometimes, like being in a store or something, there's almost this kind of weird flinching now when you get too close to someone. But when it's appropriate and when it's according to your own physical vulnerability, Let me exhort you, step back toward affectionate relationships because this is what you're made for and this is what the gospel provides. And to pursue growing wisdom and righteous fruit, read your Bible. The Bible shapes our hearts and minds. Get on your knees and pray for God to guide you and take over and capture your heart. Commit to a Bible study of some sort. Commit to a community group. These are ways that you can grow in wisdom and be helped to bear the righteous fruit you long for. So let me close with, by asking the question I started with, what's the goal of Christianity? Well, the answer is life itself, now and for eternity in God's kingdom. And we look forward to continuing to explore the joys and beauties of this life together in the book of Philippians in the coming weeks. Amen and amen. I'm Kevin Jameson,
1: lead pastor at Sojourn East. Thanks for listening. For more sermons, info about our church, and ways you can support the ministry of Sojourn East, visit sojournchurch.com
0: slash east.